Welcome to Around the Craft Table, a podcast by film students about movies, making movies, and other stuff. I'm your host today, Mitch. start off by being uh just talking about what man in the arena is like as a film um Uh-oh. yeah mitch tell us about it yeah um yeah sorry if i'm super tired and jaded because i spent the last like three weeks working on this film and it's been well intensively on sets and it's just been killing me but no yeah um Man in the Arena is the uh, the thesis project that we've been doing right now for our um, our big film in uh, my third year university in the University of Winnipeg. Um, it's essentially a, a crime thriller. Originally, I wrote it as a, a crime drama, but now it's more of like a crime thriller. Um, uh, my essential story is about a um, it's the the birth of a. Uh, a young kid by the name of Shelby, uh, how he goes from being a relatively uh, pushover child, moving into a uh, an adulthood and becomes a um, involved with a criminal organization because of his past ties with his family. Um, he decides that he no longer wants to be a part of this criminal organization um, and he wants to become his own person. And he d- leaves this criminal organization uh, through violent tendencies. But yeah, that's the essential, uh, I guess, my cheap logline. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the film originally, um, it kind of stemmed from... Uh, I've been writing the same script over the course of like three or four years uh, with a little bit of tweaks and, and edits and, and um, I guess, revisions. Uh, and I've made two other previous films that are very similar crime, crime thrillers uh, of the same genre. Um, I've basically this is the culmination of all of those other films bundled into one Um, it's about I originally wrote the script as it was about eight or nine pages maybe like 10 and I think it's it came down to 11 or 12 now Um, by the looks of it it'll probably be about a 12 to 12 ish minute film maybe some b-roll and whatnot we're gonna add in maybe about a 15 minute film Um, but yeah so uh, I've been, it's been like a conceptualized with me for like a long time. I'd say for like, I think I had the original idea of it in my first year of university. And uh, I've just been kind of, again, like working on it since then. So, yeah. That's, that is my movie. Yeah, that's really cool. Like I also, being in your class last year and like seeing your other projects and stuff, it's like very similar to those other two projects that you did. And I feel like, this is kind of like finally kind of what you were imagining is kind of like taking shape finally 
um yeah essentially and like it was super exciting to see and like being on set and i know miles can probably say this as well like the energy behind the project was really contagious and, yeah like, very, it definitely um i think there's a, a lot of passion behind it sorry to interrupt you miles oh no that's fine i i completely agree there's definitely a lot of passion behind it and I'm a firm believer in the idea that, like, especially at this level, at the grassroots indie level, um, um, I feel that, at least for myself, but I think it, it, it's common that we're often writing the same script and the same story over and over again, chasing that ideal, strange, um, ethereal sense of the perfect version of that particular movie, whatever that idea is, and... I haven't been as directly involved with the past versions of this story that you've done in, in the previous films, Mitch, but I've seen them, and I feel like having seen them and then having been uh, way deep down in the water on this film in terms of involvement, I feel like this is, like you said and like we've sort of all said, this is sort of the, the I don't want to say the, the pinnacle version because it means... That to me means you could never make this again when you, and you always could you can always do another another version if you want but I feel like this story has reached its end with this movie if that makes sense um and I th yeah and I think you've really hit this one out of the park yeah like again with this film alone uh, and I guess with all my films throughout um, my university career so far i guess all my films in my film career so far uh i've only made four that i really count as film films um and three of them have been crime thrillers and essentially i've had like this itch to scratch i guess i've had it ever since like i decided that like i i, I ever since like high school where i made like the direct decision that i was like yeah i'm gonna make movies for a living i'm gonna be a uh, filmmaker like this is who i want to be or at least this is who i want to like like really i want to go into the career of filmmaking and really like explore filmmaking and see what kind of filmmaker i want to be or if i want to be a filmmaker or if i want to be an artist you know ever since i made the decision in like early high school mid high school and then have been going with it i've had this like itch to just make this specific kind of movie where it's been like a um like a crime thriller, uh, a la a lot of films. Like for instance, uh, like I can, this. We're gonna get into this a little bit more about like my inspirations for this film, but uh, like a lot of films. Like I'm a big fan of the crime thriller uh, genre, uh, especially like films like you know like I've said this previously, but like Godfather, um, Goodfellas, so, like Scorsese films, um, The Departed. Uh, I'm a big fan of also like even uh, even just like independent crime thrillers or independent um thriller genre as well like for instance place beyond the pines is something that i've been into a lot and like drive um there's been a lot of films a la that that i've just been it's been i don't know they just kind of turned my crank even like old school stuff like um uh the dirty harry series and uh even like lethal weapon that's more of a like a, a buddy cop movie but it's still like a it's like a comedy thriller crime action drama but, uh, yeah, no, they've always been, like, a really peak of interest thing to me ever since I was, like, a really young kid. So I just had this, like, irking in me that I really wanted to make one. And ever since I started in university, I've been, I guess, trying to make this film. And with each three films, um, it really – it's kind of, like, completed a chapter in my life. Um, I've gone – it went from, like, 
in like concept like conceptualization kind of like in my first year making my first films and then like building to this accumulation of like finally getting to this point where i've made this film and i've kind of like reached this this point in my life where i was like okay i think i've i've done this enough like i've made this film and this is the one that i this is the one that where i said okay i feel i feel good about this one this one's the one where i feel really comfortable not to say that the other two films are bad by any means um i just feel like they weren't to the level of um of the story that I was trying to tell with this one, I believe this was the the element of them. But it definitely, if you watch all three of them, they they definitely show progress, which is nice. Um, but they also show um, like where my head was at at the point in time in my career uh, and in my life. And then it's also it really shows where um, my artistic value comes from. Like in my first film, it really shows where like I'm very much a rookie and I'm very much trying a lot. And then when I get into my second film and then, uh, it was a lot more like, okay, I understood a little bit more of like lighting and techniques for like camera wise and like understanding shots and, and reasoning for, uh, camera movements and reasonings for, um, elements of storytelling through visualization. And now into my third film, like building an entire crew and team to help me do these things where I can just kind of tell my story, with the craft of a whole bunch of other people that are phenomenal in their, um, in their each own aspects. Cool. But yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. <clears throat> so <clears throat> in your like opinion, I guess, um, what would be the part that you find the hardest, like during the process of making this? Was it more in the pre-production side or production side? Um, like to me, I've always been a guy. Like I've always enjoyed sets, whether it's like a professional set or indie set. Like I have no problem being on set and making films. Um, like the uh, the actual production side, like picture up, is f the most fun for me. Uh, I think pre-production is definitely a challenge for me. I think it's the hardest thing for me is knowing when to stop. It's like well, no, or it's not knowing when to stop, but it's like knowing when to decide okay that's like getting to a point where i'm like i've written a script and said okay that's that's a good that's a good place where i can you know i feel comfortable at like i, I usually i'm like i'm constantly rewriting and i'm constantly adding things or i'm constantly taking things away and i'm constantly like like carving away certain things of my script saying like okay well this is really important this isn't really important this is hard and it's like i get to a point where i never really finish the script it's more of like okay now i'm just like i have to lock down a version that i have to shoot you know like it's more of like there's so many times with me at least i always feel that like oh the story could be so much more could there could be more they could be more of kind of everything or anything you know and then eventually i get to the stage of saying like okay i think this script is tight enough that i can i'm comfortable shooting this one but if i need to make revisions for it then i'll make it in production you know that's usually like finding that pace for me is usually the hardest I think like I think we're we're a room of, of four writers here, so and I th I think I can um, speaking for me, I'm the same way. I I'm never quite comfortable enough to like let a script be shot, but there comes a point where you just sort of you have to. It's like it's a weird analogy, but I've heard it made so many times by so many um, writers, both indie and big name. Um, they're like children. At some point, you need to shove them out the door and just let them be what they're going to be on their own. Yeah, you can only do so much because right. then you get to a point where 
you start to detract from what you were actually trying to do because you just start tweaking too much and it's like not what it's supposed mm -hmm. to be anymore it's now just like this thing where it, it's over polished you know there is a point where you'll get to that that's it's hard to get to that to know when you're there um so i guess the the way to like prevent that is to just have like deadlines which i'm sure you had to for your class right i'm assuming you had to have a, a finished script by a certain time right yeah, yeah. There, there was definitely like there was deadlines there was also like there was specific dates where like especially even for people like i'm i'm, I'm much more of a guy like I, I appreciate deadlines and i do understand um the necessary need for deadlines but i even i just feel as like a person if i don't have a deadline for something like i want to if i tell somebody like hey i'm gonna send you a copy of this script i like to get it like like I have a minimum date of like okay this is the date I have to send them by like something you know I have to send them something by this date like so if I say hey yeah sure I'm gonna send you a, a copy of my script and I'm only on page four and I originally wanted the film to be like ten or twenty minutes long like I I wanted I want to have that draft done within you know a day or two of of the, the saying that I wanted to send it to them so if I said like oh I'll send it to you in a week two days from that week point out I usually want to have like something of of value you know i want to have something that i feel confident in and something that i feel if it's not exactly what i want it's something that is like it's very close to what i want yeah you know? yeah did you ever get to uh did you ever get to a point with your script that you were like all right you know what this is it or, or were um, you more like ah oh, fuck the deadline's here yes okay i gotta stop tweaking I think I think I think it was like yeah it was it was kind of like a mix of both like it was more of like I was still it was still like yeah I have to hand in something uh but it was much more to me I was just like you know what like at the point in time that I was actually writing like I've had the, again I've had the concept I've had the idea for a long time and I've had I've had my, I have like you know endless one page synopsis and one page drafts of all these scripts um or at least if not drafts they're like um they're just notes in my phone or notes in paper or whatever, and I want to turn them into the scripts. Uh, but when it comes to actually the physicalization of having the actual words on page and the full script written out, uh, at the point in time where it was it was the due date was an actual thing, I was uh, I was definitely not in the right headspace and I was definitely not right in the right like space to be making the story yet. So I definitely would like I was like you know what I can I can tweak the script all I want once the deadline's finished i have so i have tons of time to to tweak it and make it the exact story i want i just want to get something on paper you know like it's just like even it's not gonna the first the first draft is to me always the hardest like it's it's definitely like the first one's the biggest issue because you don't know when to when to say like you don't know what's good and what's not so you're just taking all these ideas and you're putting it on paper you know and to me like the carving out process is much easier because then I can write a terrible script and then look back on it in like a week's time and say like, okay, well I can obviously see what this isn't good. And this, this is good. This isn't good. I like this. I really don't like that. Whereas like actually like just taking that for the first time, it's like, again, maybe it's just a me thing, but it's definitely a, uh, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a trouble to say like, I'm very much a perfectionist of like, well, this story is, it, it won't be good. So I'm not even going to write it. You know? Um, how do you feel about, like, you kind of touched on it, but for me, 
Um, I'm the reverse. I don't, I don't like, as a writer, I don't like the carving out. I don't like sitting down and doing rewrites because I'm the type of writer, um, who likes to try and write the, the best draft the first time around so that I don't have to go through and do rewrites. And yet I fundamentally understand, um, the importance of rewrites because you never, you never get the story you want on that first draft. It, it's impossible. So how, um, how difficult would you say, how, which do you prefer of the, of the two ends of the right? So would you say that you prefer the the rewrite process or the oh you know yeah I, I absolutely like honestly I'm a I'm a person that's I've never been shy I've never shied away from rewrites like I've always been a guy like yeah obviously everybody hates you know sitting down and like reading what they've written like everybody like there's like whatever I do that everything from like a text to a tweet to a script you know like I always like I sit down there and I, I look at what I've I, I analyze what I've written and I'm like oh man this is terrible uh but I, I embrace rewriting like rewriting is my favorite process probably of the entirety of the script because then i get to like look at what i've put on paper and just literally just check off just it's the easiest thing because it's already there right and then it's like i can look at it from a third party perspective as if like i'm reading this script as a different person that's not me you know like i can read the like it's it's like i'm reading the script as if i didn't write it you know and i'm looking at it as like yeah this is crap this is crap this crap i like this i like this i like this and then i just take everything else out and i just keep going you know uh i like that process a lot more that as well as also like the idea that like like i have no problem um i have no problem i guess it, I, this is also i guess more into my this is more my um my writing process and my story structure process but it, at least for the first draft like i i go the complete opposite way i'm not looking for making the perfect story i'm making like just something that i, I like like i just want to make something i like for the first draft and then i'll turn it into a story afterwards like my first draft is like it doesn't follow any structure i don't follow any like you know there has to be act one there has to be act two there has to be act three or there has to be like some sort of like rising action and falling action and climax i don't look for like an inciting incident or anything i just write like i just write as like what's a cool story that i think would be like really fun and then i write that story and then i'm like all right cool now now i'll like leave that i'll let that sit for like a few days and then i'll come back to it and i'll be like all right now how can i fit this story into an actual proper structure of a story yeah, that like, makes make sense you know and stuff i feel like make it yeah i feel like i i struggled with that in my script as well um but it was something that once it once it got to that point it made me a lot more uh excited and organized about my approach to planning it it helped in that regard mm-hmm. like so much so would you find that like um with doing it the way that you do Mitch where you sort of write just write out something really cool and then go back and sort of break it down into the three acts exciting and inciting incident all that stuff do you find that you're ever particularly with this story did you find that you were ever um shoehorning your story to fit those sort of molds or do you find it was organic yeah, like, well, that's that's the thing is like I guess like um, it's it, it like it really like I guess it's just my how I write as a person like my personal writing structure is I guess like I just write, um, because I've just been, you know, groomed and tamed through watching like a lot of films and reading a lot of books and just knowing like, 
the story structure of like you know beginning middle end um introduction rising action climax falling action resolution kind of thing like because i've just seen that so many times that i just like write like that i already write okay. like that like period that's just like how i normally write um but like i just kind of like i just as a person i just kind of like look at it and just say like well i'm just gonna write something that i find cool and really interesting and then when I get into the stages of like putting it is as like an introduction and then they, um, you know, like fitting into an actual story plot line structure, if it doesn't fit well, like if it doesn't fit, that's at the point, then I, I get to that stage of like, well, I either re I either add things to it so that it fits in this structure to make it a proper story or which is fine by me or. Uh, if I don't, if I'm not adding things to the script to make it to fit into a structure, and it just there's nothing to add that'll make it fit into structure without like you know tearing taking away from the story, and if it just becomes boring, then I just look at it and say, okay, well then this isn't meant to be a script, then then maybe this is meant to be like a short story or like I don't know, this is supposed to be like a, a series of poems or like this is supposed to be a music video or this is supposed to be like um, I don't know a tweet. Mm -hmm. So moving on from kind of like po like pre-production stuff moving it kind of into like the the once you got your script locked down you're kind of you're you're building your schedule you're trying to figure out when we're going to start shooting etc um and you start looking for right. uh you know the talent that's going to bring your script to life like the actors which is a huge part of it um and i know mitch like this was kind of was this your first time holding like an audition where you didn't know some of the people that were coming out yeah like this is well this is the first like i've held one set of auditions before i guess but like there was most of the people that i've been casting in most of my other films i've either known them from previous works or i've worked with them before on other projects or i've like i know them as friends right. and family um but this was the first time where i've like actually well, there's like it, there's other films that i've <laughs> i've definitely casted and worked with where i've brought people out that are not um that i've like they're not personal friends but this is yeah for me this was the big one where um yeah i definitely for me at least anyway i definitely brought in people that i had no connection and attachment to prior just so that i could really have that uh i don't have to see like again this also gets like i could have a whole entire podcast of like working with friends and working with uh like and other and people that aren't friends it i guess it really depends with on the indie level at least i look at it as like yeah, it's all personal preference, but with me at least anyway, I find that working with friends on the indie level is way better than working with people that are not friends on the indie level. Because first off, how are you like to try and coax people into working on a film set at, on the indie level without like paying them or without like some sort of like honorarium is very impossible. So 90% of the time you have access to friends and family. Um, but once you eventually get to that point of professionalism of finding actors and crew and, and, uh, and team members and, and department heads that will help you out, um, it usually honestly it's just kind of like a networking thing like it's not something you can do right away it's more of like your contact information you know it's just kind of like who can you get access to within your resources totally. but yeah for this one it was definitely it was definitely more like bringing in people I for this film entirely I, I really wanted to bring in people um, I wanted to bring in people that were uh, I'm trying to figure out a proper wording of this is like I'm not 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 attached to do but more just like people that like are we have no like prior relationship totally like working or or otherwise yeah and and how do you feel like because i'm 
because I'm sort of in the same boat with mine. That's kind of what I tried to do with this project as well. Like in the past, I've always kind of asked friends. Mm -hmm. And like, I do have friends that are like decent actors and like, they're very like good and they're very like um, willing to sacrifice their time. And I'm super grateful for that. Like as working on the indie level, but as well, like I really wanted to like push myself uh, as a director. So I wanted to work with people that I really had no connection with. so how did you feel like did that help you when directing like being able to detach from the usual like chatting with friends and just kind of like this is work this is my movie you are playing this character you I associate you with this project I don't associate you outside of it did that help you right it, it does help see like again I just I guess by the person that I am I, I naturally tend to just uh, I naturally tend to if I bring a person on a project whether I've never known them before uh, or I've I've uh, been working with them a long time I usually treat everybody the same like I treat it as like you're a part of my crew and like whether we've been friends forever or this is the first time we're ever working together I'm gonna treat you like family because we're in this crew together and we're all a part of this film so I, I just essentially that previous attachment to me i guess it's 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 come with age and it's come with experience at least i'm still young but it's come more with experience of just realizing that once you're on set like your prior experiences have to kind of go out the window so it's like it really has to you really have to treat it as um it it did help for this one for sure but it's like i feel like even for this i could have still gone a little bit further you know like professionalism on set is very much um it's it's a big factor for sure and like it was always friends you know you're you're hanging out with friends you're having good times you're chatting it up but at the end of the day you're still you're, you're trying to get a job done you know and it's at the end of the day there's still something that needs to be said for that um but also because it's, it's a really fine line you know because you can't be you can't be having all fun and no no games or uh, excuse me all, all fun and games and no work because then you're not gonna get anything done you know uh, and your film's gonna never get finished, and it's just gonna you know flop on its face. But you get the reverse scenario of if you're just like a, a complete hard ass, and you're just being super serious all the time on set, like whether you're making a comedy or drama, it's just not even anything. Like if you're just gonna be the biggest like stick in the mud, and you're gonna be super serious all times, everybody's just gonna hate you, and people are just gonna like look at you and see like, well, why am I even on this? Like if he's just like if he's not even bending at any will, like if you have to have like a flexibility to you, you know, you can't just be um, one or the other. It's a fine line to walk. And it takes, in my opinion, a long time to master. Like I'm nowhere near, uh, I'm nowhere near even at the level where I can confidently say, oh, I'm a, I'm a very good director, even of, at the, at the indie level. I say that I'm still uh, an amateur director and I'm still learning a lot of the experiences. Um, but I feel like I at least have a small grasp of where, my head's at or where I need to be where I need to be going to uh, in the right direction of, of working with that I think one of the biggest steps is yeah definitely bringing in people that uh, at least if whether you're friends or not friends that people that are um, extremely talented and extremely um, extremely well skilled at their position mm-hmm. and that's one of the big, biggest keys for sure um, class requirements notwithstanding because there were a few in terms of crewing and things i'm sure as there have been in the past with with our classes how early on did you know who you wanted in your create your key creative positions how um well i i I knew i knew as early on uh as probably um 
I knew as early on as probably even conception, like conception of the script that I was like, well, I would like to have some specific people in specific areas of, of, uh, of work for sure. At least on the cinematography level, I definitely wanted to start working with uh, Jesse. Like Jesse was my cinematographer, our good friend that was on our, one of our episodes that we lost actually, which is really sad. We'll have to have him on as a guest again, but um, we um, essentially, uh, we haven't worked together ever like really professionally. Uh, we've been on professional sets together or indie sets together as friends and just kind of like work together as for fun times. But I've never really had my own film directed and then had my uh, actual cinematographer. It's like 90% of the time it's been myself or uh, I think one other time that I've used, I've called in a favor from a friend and just asked them to come in and help shoot something for me. But uh, most of the time it's just kind of been me handling all the reins. And uh, I, for this one, I definitely was like, well, I want to definitely hand off. I don't want to be, I don't want to have to cons concern myself um, for camera. Like I don't want to have to be directing and also, you know, worrying about like pulling focus and worrying about operating and worrying about uh, all these other things at the same time. So at least at the conception stage, I was definitely worried, worried about a, or definitely considering a, uh, a cinematographer as well as also some sort of camera crew. <clears throat> awesome. Cool. Um, so what would you say was, um, I guess this is a two-parter question. If you could name one thing that you would say went super well and one thing that was like, ah, oh, shit, this is going to be an issue. One of each. Hey everyone, just before we get Mitch's answer to that question, we're going to head into an intermission briefly, play you some music, and uh, you hear an advertisement for a festival that's coming up in Winnipeg soon. It's a film festival for up-and-coming independent filmmakers. We'd love for you to attend if you're going to be in town. Uh, the dates will be in the ad, and we'll see you on the other side. emerging filmmaker? Have you always wanted to have your film up on the big screen? Consider submitting to IOU Video Festival, a film and media festival taking place on March 25th at the Park Theatre in Osborne, Winnipeg. This year, for their second year running, the IOU Video Festival aims to include a program that showcases as many unique voices as possible while celebrating film and media work from the province of Manitoba. Submissions are open from January 15th until February 15th. It is free and easy to submit a film. Just visit iouvideofest.com and use our online submission form or submit through Film Freeway. Again, that's iouvideofest.com. Submit your film today. our effects like we brought in i also brought uh, it kind of t tip taps into um uh 
the um, it, it, it taps into what I was just speaking about of bringing in crew. Like our our makeup effects and our camera was phenomenal. Like everything looks beautiful. Like because again, it's Jesse Durockney. He's a phenomenal cinematographer. <laughs> Arguably, in my opinion, one of the best in the city at the independent level. Hate that guy. Uh, if not one of the best. Nah, no way, guy. <laughs> fuck him. He's a good, uh, he's a great guy. He's phenomenal. He's extremely nice. He's one of the t- most talented people I've ever worked with, in my opinion, like the best in the he's city. He's also if not single, in ladies. Damn, no, it's, he's mine. So stay out of my territory. Oh, sorry. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, but no, Jesse's phenomenal, and even uh, we had uh, a few friends on set, and like for instance, Brennan, uh, our great friend as well. He was our, he was my gaffer, and and both of them combined together. The film looks phenomenal. Like the with it, yeah. whether it, it comes from lighting, camera movements, um, like those guys, as well as Eric and a whole bunch of other people that came in, uh, and they really like really pulled off the look and the feel um, that I was going for. Uh, so visually, everything's great as well. Like for instance, Miranda was our wonderful costumes uh, designer, costumes coordinator, and Alex helped out with set deck and set preparation. So everything from our set pieces and our props department uh, and bringing in. Um, costumes that looked realistic and looked but looked believable and fitting for the characters and everything i think the look and the style that i was going for was definitely there and i think the hardest part for me was just saying um the hardest part for me for the thing that didn't work as well as i thought it was was um to me it was a locations thing like the entirety of the film without any spoilers originally was written to be originally the first draft of the script it, it the whole thing was supposed to take place in a, in a diner like the first draft the original first creation like it, it was taken it had like a few flashbacks to um a few other scenes in a couple other locations and then the rest of the film took place in a diner and then in the woods like in the middle of the night in the woods uh and that was just me essentially pulling these like creative chains off and saying okay well what's this what's the what's the most creative thing i could possibly think of so like the whole film took place essentially in the woods at night and then also in this this like old school 50s diner um to me and it was just like this whole thing you know and uh the entire film was like in this diner and the whole thing was out in the woods and um all these kills happened like we originally i think it was like uh, with all this thriller because he's a he's a former hitman like he's he's going through a sequence of like killing all these people and then he realizes how much he he despises it and he just he feels that this isn't who he is and then he he needs to get out of this life that this isn't he, he's ruining other people's lives for no reason and um it was great in a conception thing but then when it came to reality i realized trying to get that many actors and then trying to get the amount of actors and extras that I was thinking of for like, for instance, the bars, there's bar, there was a bar sequence I had that I wanted uh, like a full packed bar. Um, there was a sequence I had in which it was out in the woods in the middle of the night. And he like brutally like ax murders a guy in the woods, a la like drive elevator scene um, using like a baseball bat and all of these things. Like there was, because of these logistics in like reality at the independent level that I'm at right now like I can there's no way like I don't have access to um, those kind of locations and like trying to secure look even securing a diner like we for this film we didn't even secure our our the diner location which we did shoot in until like a week before shooting it meanwhile we have been trying to secure a diner for like 
two to three months and it was just it was a nightmare and at the at our independent level to the point where like i can't really pay locations you know like thousands of dollars and i can't build or the reverse of that the uh the opposite of that is build an entire sound stage um where i would be able to build these kind of sets like a diner or build some sort of collaborate bar or elaborate bar uh combination you know um, because I don't have that money and the access to those resources and the access to those kind of actors and the access to that kind of props and hair and makeup and all these different things, uh, I had to sacrifice a lot on that. And to me, that was like the hardest aspect is just like logistically trying to find places that would be okay with me shooting a lot of this stuff. And in the end, um, again, without spoilers, I had to make a few workarounds even for this to, to take place, you know? But it was uh, that was definitely the hardest thing for me was just essentially taking this, this <clears throat> outlandish story and and plot that I originally wrote and then uh, bring it down to the independent level. You know, it's uh, it's kind of it's it's limiting, but it's also it's very it's really creative to try and figure out well, what's the best possible course of action I can do um, to make this the best story and the, as, as make that vision that I originally created, but using the resources that I have, you know, and that was definitely a challenge for me. Cool. So, <laughs> all right. That pause though. I was waiting for Jamel to respond because it was his question. Oh, no, I just, you know what? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. You can t- now see this is the Tara Mitchell part session now. It's like now you get to just rip on it. <laughs> well, how, how do we rip on it? Yeah, to be on- it? yeah, to be honest, I, I think know. you're a fucking hack. <laughs> just All kidding. Right, good to know. <laughs> All right. Speaking of which, actually, Jamel wrote the new script, and uh, that's the actual reason why it's so. <laughs> I did. I did. These are all the reasons. I yeah, I wrote the original script, and then he said, "You know what? Why don't we just cast Tony Danza in the entirety of the film?" Hell, hell, hell yeah! Hell. I'm pretty sure he's dead. <clears throat> Tony Danza is not dead. Oh, good to know. There's the title of the episode. Tony Danza is not dead. Tony Danza is not dead. All Tony right, Danza here we go. Not dead. <laughs> so, um, so let's talk about some of some of your inspirations for the film. Yeah, for me. Um, Again, like when it comes to like uh, conception and actually like bringing um, the film to life, I I really was like trying to emulate a lot of films a la like Drive. Um, To me, the biggest films like visually, I was really looking for like a um, a prisoner's look, uh, which I'm pretty sure I'm just gonna double check right now. Is shot by Roger Deakins? Um, Um, I think so. I think so. I think so. I don't know. I just like. I guess uh, I was looking for it. Uh, I think he shot all of the new yeah, Villeneuve it is. stuff. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Roger Deakins and Villeneuve's film is also phenomenal. Uh, Prisoners, like my inspirations for the films were definitely yeah, like Prisoners. Um, I really enjoyed Drive. Um, even like Goodfellas. Um, there's also a whole slew of like I could list off a whole slew of like small indie films, like little short indie films and projects that I've seen that like really turned my crank for that whole um, aspect as well but um, yeah I just really I really liked uh, this entirety this really uh, it was a very dark and gritty story um, that I was kind of going for this dark and gritty thriller tale of a, of a hitman deciding to 
re reevaluate his life and um instead of instead of continuing down the life and path that he's going down he wants to you know change something about it and become a better person become his own person was it important for you to sort of um because to be a lot of the time when you see a movie about a hitman it's just sort of um uh watching him work right and watching him Right. seek revenge not necessarily in in terms of getting redemption for himself as a person but seeking some sort of revenge the way um like you look at something like john wick or or right. drive both of which are sort mm-hmm. of re- uh revenge stories and there's a bit of a redemption element but neither of them it seems by the end of the, their films actively either achieve or pursue that redemption any longer was there something important to you as a writer about um turn turning well like for instance touching on touching on the subject of like for instance uh john wick john wick's a phenomenal film as well the john wick series even uh it's a great element that i even looked on as well i forgot to mention john wick but um with a lot of these similar stories of you know uh thrillers about hitmen or thrillers about mobsters or gangsters or criminal organizations a la like breaking bad and um the sopranos and other things you really notice and you really see like for instance even like um the godfather it's it's people trying to stay out of the life of the life of a crime uh like the staying out of this life of crime or or it's it's them either staying out of it and then eventually always having to be brought into it or um, them currently, uh, currently, uh, or excuse me, them out of the life of crime. And then um, like, for instance, a la John Wick, he starts the film, he's out of the life of crime. He's already left and he's decided I'm, you know, I, I'm done with this life. And then something brings him back in or in, you know, good. And the Godfather, uh, Michael doesn't want to be a part of this. And then something brings him into this life. Something changes him from a regular person into a hitman or a regular person into a gangster or a mobster or this criminal uh, organized crime unit. Uh, whereas for me, I always liked like in, in John Wick, they constantly mention that he um like he especially in the second film john wick 2 he he like he got out of the life in a very like spectacular way which i assume in john wick 3 we're gonna see a lot more of like we're gonna see some some of how he how he got out of the life of crime and what he's gonna do now that he's back in it you know um but to me i was always really intrigued of like well why don't we just see why do we never really see hitmen that are in a life of crime why don't we see hitmen that are in a life of crime and they're deciding to leave uh not because of some situation that happened or something that you know went awry or went wrong like for instance in drive um they're definitely i'm he's you know he's in his life of crime he's doing his jobs and then because of a bad deal that went wrong um some people got killed and he decides he's gonna run away and he's done with the life uh, rather than that, it's like, why can't yeah. people just come to a realization of saying like, well, I'm done killing people. I don't want to kill people anymore. I don't want to do this. Like, why Why does it have to be some spectacular event that decides them to, to leave? Why does this have to be an extreme tactic? Why can't they just come to the realization of saying, well, I don't want to be this person anymore, you know? Like, for instance, like, uh, it happens a lot in, like, films that deal with, like, addiction or drugs or, like, drug abuse of, like, there's always something sporadic that happens in these, um, 
these characters that like, well, I'm I'm a drug addict. Some sporadic thing happens in my life. I'm gonna clean up, get sober, and turn my life around. Well, what if? What about the millions of people who just decide I'm tired of this life. I'm just gonna clean up and get better. You know, maybe to some it's not that interesting, but to me that's really intriguing. It's just like to see instead of like a superhero esque um, exit of of this uh, a superhero spectacular event of something crazy needs to happen that this person has to um, be able to solve their problems and change their life people change their lives every single day people decide on their own that hey i'm gonna get up in the morning i'm gonna start exercising i'm gonna you know nothing sporadic has to you know influence these decisions sure there's there's plenty of things in life that do that but for me it was more that inspiration of saying that you know anybody can change their life at any point in time you know you can you can decide for yourself that you're your own person and you can decide for yourself at any point that you want to change and you can you can become something that you want to be and it doesn't have to be some sort of huge push that'll you know send you off that edge in in a good in a good way you know into a into a, a new lifestyle you can just be who you want to be just by making a decision and going down that road I see. So that's where you got your. Uh, I guess that would be your main theme for the movie. Yeah, essentially, it was a lot of like. Well, it was a lot of like you know, a person can can change, and a person can be. You can be. You can, you can be your own person. Like uh, this is gonna be sound really corny, but it's also it's the quote from um, Iron Giant, Brad Bird's Iron Giant, is you are who you choose to be. You know, so you don't have to. People can tell you who you are your entire life. People can put you in a box. People can put you in a label and say, this is who you are. This is who you're supposed to be. Even if everybody tells you this is what it is, then you can just say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm making my own decision and I'm going to do this whether people like it or not. Essentially for me, that's what I, I started with. I started with a very simplistic story of just a, a kid that's been told his whole life that he's just this one thing and there's nothing that he can do to change it and he grows up his whole life just believing this and one day he just decides i'm i'm done with it like i'm i don't think this is for me like there's not a specific moment in time that he decides this he just thinks i'm he looks at himself in the mirror and he just doesn't like what he sees and he see he thinks he just needs to he needs to move forward and he needs to change something about himself and he doesn't like like anything about what he's doing you know so he needs to make changes for himself instead of you know do what others say and be the person that he wants to be. And then I just kind of took that and then blew it up to like the, the biggest extent that I could. And I made it like super ultra violent and ultra, uh, yeah, no, crazy. That's uh, usually the way it goes. One thing that I learned in uh, filmmaking one class was, uh, movies kind of have like a cake and an icing. The cake is like what the story is about. The icing is how that cake is presented. Yeah, like for instance, John Wick's is—it's a very straightforward cake. If you would—if I'm using your analogy right, it's a pretty straightforward core message of just like you know, revenge feels good, and you know if people do by wrong by you, you can go out and and change this for yourself, and then. Uh, they throw this crazy icing of all these crazy action scenes and intense action and like there are a lot of like for instance people rack on Tarantino a lot but Tarantino does it all the time you know like he has very um, wholesome and humble little themes and little subplots and little messages that are in his film you know things like honesty always wins and you know uh, the road to victory is long but 
is rewarding, you know, things like that. And then he just goes ultra violent and he goes ultra crazy with these insane messages uh, to make them like super impactful and super memorable. You know, like people, for, I remember when Inglorious Bastards came out, people were racking on that film a lot and they were saying like, oh, it's super violent, it's super ultra crazy and it's showing all these insane things. Um, what kind of message is that? You know, it's just violence. Who's going to learn anything about that? But it's like, to me, that's the whole, that's the, uh, that's the whole point. It's just, it's realizing that 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 ultra violence is there because it's telling them it's sending a message but it's also it's there it's going to stick with you because you're going to remember that scene because it's super ultra violent and then you're going to think about it constantly and you're going to analyze it and you're going to you know you're going to reanalyze it and think about it over and over and over and over and over again and you're going to think well what's the meaning behind it why did you decide to do it this way you know and it's, it's he does it for a lot of callback reasons but it's also like you know it's fun it's entertaining cinema yeah you know? i think that's always kind of like... it's like what was it that you said was a uh, it wasn't it wasn't the way that it's yeah like it's about the presentation really it's about how you present that concept that right. idea um and that's what kind of sets every filmmaker apart is their own view on that that one thing that one theme or that one message right everybody's gonna look at it differently for sure but like to me at least anyway like like again cinema is like a, it's it's a it's a combination it's between it's like a combination between the idea that like um sure like I've, I've always been of the idea that like stake your stakes don't have to be super high to make an interesting film you can have like very low stakes in a film like you know it always doesn't have to be that it's the end of the world you know it doesn't always have to be that um you know everybody's gonna die and you have to save the planet and the whole human race the human the human race is doomed and stuff like that. you can have like tiny stakes of just like if you've ever seen hold on so what? so you're so you're saying the entire hollywood summer season of movies is wrong <laughs> the world doesn't need to end no, once no, a month no. it's fine like i i again it's it i love films like that i think it's great but i feel like see it's again it's a fine line between um for instance one of my favorite films uh is um after hours which is uh, that's the is that is that the Scorsese pick? No, that's the um, After Hours is I'm terrible right now with my names. After Hours is yeah, it's a Scorsese. It's a Scorsese comedy. It's just it's essentially the entire plot and the film uh, is just a guy that's trying to get home. You know, he just like he 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 lost his he he went downtown. Uh, looking for a good time he he lost his cash in his wallet for his cab and now he can't get home and all these crazy events happen to him that he can't get home and then at the end of the film spoiler alert but he gets home like that's it like it's a very like there's no crazy intense plot where like he dies or anything happens like sure the stakes get risen like risen uh, risen like they rise consistently um but like your overall super objective stakes don't have to be in, in like you know intense or insane. However, you do have to present it in an entertaining way. Like for instance, with like the whole Tarantino thing, it's like yeah, they're trying to stop the Second World War and kill Hitler. Sure, it's but it's 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 kind of it's it's insane stakes. However, they show it in a very intense, in crazy, entertaining way. Like I don't I don't want to go to a I, the reason I go to the cinema is because I want to watch entertaining content and entertaining stories and both visually and 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 uh, emotionally and and thematically entertaining content um so if it's not presented in a way that's that represents it properly then i'm not interested you know well i mean look at a movie like like lock for example where it's it's two it's two and a quarter uh two and three quarter hours i think it's pretty long i can't mm -hmm. remember of 
Tom Hardy in a car on Driving, a highway. Yeah, but it's ex- that's it, but it's that it sounds really boring, but it's, it's so it's very it, co- so the it's, opposite. It's all about it. It's all about investment. You know, getting getting your getting your your emotion uh, your audience emotionally invested in the film and emotionally invested in the characters. And exactly. That's where I think characterization. Um, like you can preach about cinematography and you can preach about um, storyline and structure. The visual visually, side of things. You can preach about anything else in film. I think above all, characters win. Like characters win films. Period. Like if you don't have an interesting character in your film, nobody really cares. You know. Like that's the that's the exactly. whole reason we love Blade Runner twenty forty nine is because K is so interesting and we want to know K's backstory and we want to know K's what's going on with K and where what's he trying to do why is he why is he going after um, Harrison Ford's character you know what's what's Harrison Ford's secret what's going on you know we're interested in the world we're interested in the story we want to we want to see we're we're expecting something crazy to happen at any moment and we're anticipating the next scene you know the reason we love die hard is because we love john mcclane and he's an he's a crazy awesome character and we want to see him go through this intense battle in this tower to then go save his wife you know and save these people in this tower and come out and not even that but just survive we just want to see him survive this insane onslaught you know but it's like if john mcclane was you know Tommy was open the room like nobody nobody would care like it'd be like all right well I'm, these aren't interesting characters these are characters that are like just average people you know like but even with even average people but they're just like they're not interesting at all like there's nothing defining about them or there's nothing that makes them appealing to anybody they're just people that are are on screen you know there's they're not a character they're just a, like a person that's there they're a placeholder yeah, and a <laughs> and a big thing we we were talking about recently was um in in screenwriting class Mitch is like what perspective you're telling your story from like for example with your thing with your story are you telling it from Shelby's perspective or Rogers or another character entirely yeah it, it, yeah exactly for sure but like which character is the best one to tell the story from it's like deciding that is even hard as well because your story could be really cool but it could be even cooler from a different character's perspective or vice versa so that's like a huge part of it too and the the coolest thing about that though Miranda is that that perspective is one of those things that could change three separate times you know you can write it from one angle shoot it from another and then when you cut it together completely turn it around again so you're left with like a ton of options in yeah. terms of um, even, how you want to tell even your that, story. I think like it, I it still boils down to like yeah, sure, like you could change the characters and everything like that. But again, like if they're not interesting, like for my film, if if Shelby's not interesting and if Roger's not interesting and if if anybody's not interesting, if they're not interesting or even you know Deborah or whoever, if none of them are interesting characters, I mean, then then who cares? You know, like who cares what their perspective is if they're not interesting yeah. at all? The junkie is your most interesting character. Just yeah, say. there's plenty of people. Like there's so there's so many different characters yeah. that you could look at, and if you is but the thing the thing is like if they pull they pull if they don't they don't. But if they if they're all exactly. pulling in interesting characters, no matter how small or large they are, um, if if they have that pull to them, then every single story, whether it's from anyone's perspective, is going to be interesting, and it's going to be compelling. You know? Yeah. 
be compelling. It's gonna be a very compelling story. Yeah. There's this um quote that I read from uh <clears throat> I forgot where, but like what the most important thing, at least based on this guy's argument in his book, um of a story is that is the emotion side of things. Uh, because that's what drives a good story. As long as soon as yeah. you have people, and we mentioned this earlier, as soon as you have people emotionally invested in something, it's it'll it, like, it'll it'll hit them. Like it'll it'll it's something that people will. Isn't that McKee? Isn't that one of his? Yeah, yeah, it's McKee. It's one yeah. of his quotes. Um, and uh, you know, you could disagree with a lot of things that he says, but that's the one thing I feel that is like, yeah, no, I feel like that's a pretty universal thing when it comes to story. Because as soon as you don't care about something or somebody it doesn't matter or somebody it doesn't matter how good the sound is it doesn't matter how good the cinematography is it doesn't matter how realistic the cgi is you just don't give a shit mm-hmm. uh but it's like as oh yeah it, but it's even with that with like it doesn't even have to be a film like that's just life you know it's like it, you could look at that as like even as like hockey for instance like uh, hockey boxing sports you look at it in anything it's like if it's if it's not an interesting story and if the people aren't if you're not emotionally invested in it the reason you want to see the underdog team win in the Stanley Cup playoffs is because you're emotionally invested in their story and you're emotionally invested in their in those players and you're emotionally invested in seeing them you know here's recent events you know watching the Eagles win the Super Bowl if you're super emotionally invested in football watching an underdog team go up against the um the almost you know the champions the five-time world champions um Six. Or what six whatever I don't know football but anyway, watching them go up against the uh, the the you know against the odds, defying the odds and winning. The reason you're you're enjoying it so much and the reason it's so satisfying for so many people is because it's it's uh, you're emotionally there like you care about these players you care about the outcome of the of the story which is is this uh it's whether it be a, a game whether it be a movie whether it be a sporting event whether it be whatever you know you can go to look at it as like boxing you could look at watching underdogs fight in a boxing match it's the same thing it's it, yeah. it boils down to just like it i guess it's like it's it's really philosophical but it's like it's like if if you don't emotionally care about something then it doesn't matter you know yeah exactly if there's no emotional ties then nobody's that's gonna that be weird universality that, that you need to find in every uh story be it in a fight or a script everything yeah it's weird that exactly a song it can be it's whatever it's, it's anything it's weird how we're we're sort of especially you know? at the um the educational level where we're all studying right now it's weird we're sort of like told to tell really unique stories and yet simultaneously told to tell something that is universally relatable and you think of that on its face and you go well that's impossible because yeah yeah and and to and to be honest, most sorry to cut you off, but most of the stories that I love the most, and to be honest, most of the stories that are critically acclaimed are extremely minimal and extremely like wide relatable. open. Like they're extremely wide open, or not even that. They're universally adapted, universally relatable, but at the independent level, they're really personal stories. Like a lot of the like, for instance, you can look at like Lady Bird. Lady Bird's one of the most successful films of the past uh, in this past year, and. Uh, it's do it's nominated for Oscars. It's phenomenal, and it's about a it's a coming of age story, you know. And it's it's super personal, and it's a super individual story that's you know related to one one girl. However, uh, you know the stakes aren't huge, but the it's relatable to a lot of people. 
and that that's why it does so well it's because relatability and yeah. emotionally and emotional investment um yeah i guess adding on to that topic i have an example of like a movie yeah. that personally speaking i didn't um get emotionally invested in um and it but it's it's a super critically mm-hmm. acclaimed movie and i can see why it's a very good movie but did i personally like it no because i didn't you know i'm not a, I didn't really care about it, and that movie's Whiplash. That is a movie that it, it almost like I I'm, I'm the only person that I know that doesn't like Whiplash. And uh and I'm like oh that's that's and I I, I was watching the movie and halfway through and I was wondering like why why don't I like this? It's it's filmed really well. The sound is really cool. The actors are amazing because it's J.K. Uh, J.K. Rowling. Just kidding. J.K. Simmons. <laughs> uh okay anyway uh. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I love it's I love the scene where J.K. Rowling throws chairs at. I love the scene Harry where J.K. Rowling Harry throws, <laughs> throws chairs at uh Drum and Miles and Harry Potter. And then, uh, yeah. She was probably mad because they share a birthday and he was trying to celebrate yeah. his birthday on the same yeah. day. She was like, "Harry, it's my birthday. I created you. Go back into the book." Whiplash. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Whiplash." Oh, and then Whiplash. she was like, "And then uh, yeah, and then no." And then she said, no, no, and then she says Cheriolis, and, and then, then he throws yells. a chair, and it fucking smacks That's the name the of the episode. Harry, go back in the book. And there it is. Whiplash at, his, at her, and it makes no sense, Harry, but back, it's the title of the movie Harry, now. get back in the book. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I wasn't emotionally invested. I, the, the main character that we're supposed to follow, I related to nothing he was doing. And, and... Yeah, and then let's see the thing. The thing is with, and I can totally see that. Like, if you're not really like a, a creative, musician, not even a musician, but like if you've, um, well, no, it's the thing is like, see, the thing is like Miles is or yeah. Miles. Uh, Jamel's a creative artist. He's a writer and he's a creative filmmaker. But he looked at his creative struggle coming from like a drummer, and he's just he never really yeah. understood it, and that's fine. Like, but it all boils down to like to be honest, though, like everything of all time always boils down to just opinion. Like you don't have to relate to every story that's the thing it's like there's relatable elements in every single story whether you choose to relate to them or whether you do relate to them it's up it's it's opinion of base you know like there's plenty of films that are 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 both independent and critically acclaimed that i've looked at and said yeah i don't agree with that at all and i don't i don't look at that as like yeah i'm not i'm not relating to this at all it's just it's it's perspective and opinion that's 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 everything it's just everything's just perspective and opinion I take my sugar with coffee and yeah. cream. There you go. Thanks. We want to know. Yeah. Audiences were dying to know how you take your sugar. Just coffee and cream. But you know, somebody said it's the other way around. I take my coffee. Or ask for it and never get it if sugar. you're at the right diner. <laughs> there you go. Inside <laughs> jokes. Haha, <laughs> jokes. Inside jokes. People get it. You'll all get it eventually yeah. when you watch the movie. I'm so excited for the movie, and um, I think we're kind of reaching the end of like our episode. But we want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you've made it this far um, to the podcast today, and we'll be doing more of these uh, in-depth analysis, in-depth analyses, analyses. I think. Analyses. Is that how you say it? Analyses. Alan. Alan size. Oh. Every, every, I, I know why. So, <laughs> A dot Y. 
that's, uh, that's a reference to a trending hashtag called uh, replace love with anal. Anyway, go on, Miranda. So so maybe next week we'll get another girl in here to balance out the, 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 the jokes. Um, less less, less sauce. Anyways, um, thanks so much for listening. I think we're going to be doing more of these um, postmortems on our on our sets and also maybe talking about more uh, grassroots indie stuff in the future. Let us know if you kind of like what you've heard today and mm -hmm. um, we're going to be back next week, hopefully with a new episode. Um, we'll, guys, we'll be on set again, so we'll let you know if uh, we uh, have any delays. But hopefully we'll get back into the regular. We're making Miranda's yeah, movie. Um, Yay. That. But we'll let you guys know if uh, we are going to be uh, taking a little bit of a break for a couple of days. We'll be back with a new episode hopefully another indie focused episode but there may be new hosts and again we want to remind you as well there's a lot of people that uh are on the podcast with us there's a lot of people that want to be on the podcast and so we've kind of decided to break it down into kind of groups of four or five at most i think was what we kind of decided just to make it so that everyone can get their words in a little bit more and have more meaningful conversations and more interesting conversations for you as listeners to follow so uh let us know if you like that as well and uh we'll see you in the next episode bye everybody all right guys bye, bye. watch my movie yes. like that. it follow the hashtags eventually man in the arena film uh, i don't have a it's I don't have one of those, On but alright, make one. Alright, bye. Alright, bye. Hey everybody, it's Miles from the Around the Craft Table team, and you've just heard episode 3, aka Harry Get Back in the Book, A.K.A. Tony Danza isn't dead. A.K.A. Holy fuck, we're back. We hope you enjoyed it. This week's episode featured music from Joey Pecoraro and Lakey Inspired, as always. There's more to come in the coming weeks. We're going to be doing another postmortem as well. We hope to see you at IOU Fest sometime in March. The dates are in the ad. And we uh, hope you stick around for future episodes. Thanks, everybody. Follow us on social media at ATCT Show. Take care. Bye. Today's episode was directed and executive produced by Miranda Moroj. Featured Mitchell Rear as the guest. Was moderated by Jermel Pasqua. And featured Miles Taylor as a host. It was mixed, edited, and produced by Miles A. Taylor at Sound Logic Studios here in Winnipeg. Yeah.